Hi, Marta. Thanks for chatting with me today. You are welcome. I'm so glad to see your face. I'm glad to see your face, too. It's fun. It's been fun reaching out um, when I post on Facebook being like, all right, y'all, self-care stories. I want to hear them. It was right. fun to see so many people be like, yes, I want to talk. I want to chat with you. And it's been fun connecting with people that I haven't been able to see as often lately. Right. So it's a good time. It so, Berta, yes. you're amazing. You do lots of amazing things. Thank you. Can you tell our lovely listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? I can. I, uh, my name is Roberta. Um, I am a hospice nurse by trade. So um, I work in the hospice field. I've done administration and then I switched over at age 50 and got my um, bedside nursing license mm-hmm. so that I could finish my career bedside. Um, I am currently uh, working full-time as um, a weekend and after hours, clinical supervisor. I supervise a team of about 50. And I am also going back to school for my bachelor's of science in nursing. So I just did the associates level. And so I thought I'd cause myself some more, um, you know, I didn't have enough on my schedule. (laughs) Um, And then I also have about 80, well, I have a gazillion little side things that I like to do, but my main side hustle is, um, is photography. And I've done that for about 22 years now. And, um, yeah, full-time school photography. And I am a, um, caretaker to my beautiful wife who has multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. You have a lot on your plate. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. And I think that there's, there's some people who probably listening to that going, Oh my gosh, how do you, <laughs> how, how, how do you, how do you do that? And that's, that's a valid response. But I also think there's some people like, I, I'm kind of like that too, where I like to be involved in lots of things mm-hmm. and use different parts of my brain and just get to do different, different stuff during the day, during yeah. the week, during the year. Uh, so we'll dive into all of those different things that you are doing and how that yeah. impacts your self-care. But before we get specific on stuff, yes, what is your definition or kind of your philosophy about what self-care really is? Um, more, I don't think I can really define self-care as, you know, like in the traditional sense. Um, for me, it is doing something that brings me joy in a moment or in a day or, you know, um, it, it could be something as simple as, um, I am a meme collector. I love memes. <laughs> and every Monday you share that. And every Monday I share meme Monday and it brings me great joy because I, I laugh and um, just the laughter and just the silliness of a ridiculous, um, you know, video or a meme or something funny can bring me, you know, great joy in the moment. Um, sharing them with others and making others laughs brings me, you know, great joy in that sense. So, um, for me, self-care is, is stepping outside of anything that is, um, structured per se. So school is very structured. Work is very structured. Um, everything that I do within, um, my work in my school is like a, a getting from A to Z and you have to follow these certain steps to do it. So anything outside of that self care wise is just doing something spur of the moment. Um, just because I want to, because it makes me laugh. Um, it makes no sense at all. Um, so that's, kind of my definition is stepping outside of the structure is, is more of my, my go-to when it comes with self-care. Cause I don't always get like on Mondays, you know, I have two hours for self-care or, um, I go to the gym every day on, you know, Wednesday because my life is very structured. Um, so I don't always have a set time. I have to take it whenever, whether it be for school or that, or, um, you know, my, 
my wife is one of those where she may have a great day and mm-hmm. we have to take advantage of that. So, you know, we just kind of like go and roll with the punches. It also makes me think of like creativity when you say like break out of the structure. And I think like you like to be creative. And yes. when you're in a job that's like nursing is a very, <laughs> it varies. There's a lot of structure. There's a lot of protocols that you have to follow. And so right. knowing that you're someone who, yeah, you love your job and you're great at it. And that information that you have to learn through school is important. But also knowing that filling up your creative side and honoring that side of your personality and who you are is an important part of your self-care because you don't always get that as much in kind of your day-to-day schedule. Yeah. That's interesting. I think that's a really cool thing. And creativity, I think, is a really interesting aspect of it uh, that we don't talk about a lot within self-care, but I'm actually really glad we're bringing it up today. There was... um, Last year, I got really burnt out after a lot of stuff happening, and mm-hmm. which, which happens. Burnout happens. It's unfortunately yeah. becoming a very normal part of our society. Yeah. And there was this um, like mental health bot that my um, insurance has available for for us. And so I was like, okay, I'm just. I was honestly just curious about like what it would say because I'm like, okay, it's a it's an AI robot. <laughs> It's right. not a person, but a person programmed it. So like what, what information is going to give me? So I plugged in like, Hey, okay. I'm feeling really burnt out, overwhelmed. I'm just really tired. What, what you got for me? Like what advice? And yeah. one of the things that said was find something to be creative in, like find a project where you can be creative. Right. And so I think our life does get really structured. It's go to work at this time, come home at this time. Oh yeah. And you're trying to eat food of some kind. You're trying to get so many hours of sleep. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. Check all the boxes that I think most of the time we put underneath some sort of self-care and those things can't all be self-care, but reminding ourselves that it's good to get outside of the structure and do something creative or just because it makes you happy to laugh, to find joy. I really like that. You're like, I just want to find things that bring me joy in my day. That finds me joy. Well, even, I mean, even if you look at like a, you know, a workout schedule is mm-hmm. still a scheduled still activity. Structure. And it's that structure that sometimes even that could be stressful. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, how can you think of, you know, exercise in a different modality mm-hmm. of, I don't have to do mm-hmm. the treadmill for 45 minutes. I can go walk the dog and look at, you know, trees and bring my camera along and, you know, so on and so forth. So it's like getting outside of that, like very, you know, um, tunnel vision way of, of mm-hmm. thinking that everything has to be, so that it doesn't become a stressor, mm-hmm. even like, you know, eating good food, becomes a stressor. I Mm -hmm. do the majority of the, you know, cooking or, you know, some sort of, you know, meal planning, whether that be get something or whatever. And so when I've got 50 million phone calls coming in and all this stuff going on and I get a text that says, are, can I, you know, are you going to order me something for dinner, you know, or what are we doing for? And then it becomes this instant stressor, even though, you know, it's an everyday activity that we have Mm -hmm. to do. Um, you know, and sometimes it is easier to say DoorDash. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not cooking, <laughs> you know, and that doesn't mean you can't have something healthy. It doesn't mean you can't have something totally gluttonous either, but, um, it just takes the stress off of, you know, whatever. And, um, so for me to like remove the structure and just go with whatever is going to make it easier and therefore takes that stress level down is, is instant joy for me. And then I don't have to worry about it. I think that's great because I think, and I'm someone who can be very guilty of this because I'm someone who I love checklists. I love schedules. Mm-hmm. I love sitting down to schedule out a day that I'm never going to follow to a T because I'm right. really ambitious when I'm scheduling and I'm like, yeah, I can do all these things. Like even today I was like, I'm going to get X, Y, and Z done today before this interview. No, yeah, <laughs> it didn't no, happen. I didn't check off one. Back. I was like, I'm like, I got some of it done, but no all of it. And I know I'm always constantly having to check in with myself of, okay, am I doing this because I feel like I have to do it this exact Mm -hmm. certain way? Or am I doing it because it actually is 
a benefit for my life. And I think you mentioned sometimes you just DoorDash is going to be the option. Cooking is a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's so much work to think about what food you are going to prepare. Mm -hmm. Like that alone. (laughs) Sometimes I'm just like, um, what are we, what are we making this week? What sounds good? I'm like, I'm like, food doesn't, there's nothing I'm craving. And, uh, then that you have to think about, okay, what, what are you going to get from the store? What ingredients do you need? Do you Mm -hmm. already have some of them? When are you going to go to the store to get them? Right. And then when are you going to go cook? When do you have time for all this? It's not always, it's, it's not always an easy thing. It's often a very challenging thing. And so I really appreciate you saying like, yeah, sometimes DoorDash is the self-care option because you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, bad or otherwise, but people who have the extra element of, of caretaking in addition to Mm -hmm. all the other stuff. And so you don't have that, um, what would be kind of the societal norm of partner roles. Mm -hmm. Um, so you are kind of the heavy handed of, you know, the, um, the doer, the fixer, the, the gatherer, the whatever, Mm -hmm. um, then something as easy as, you know, uh, the, you know, uh, you know, wife saying, Hey, what's it for dinner can just set me into a tailspin of you have no idea what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, and, and she doesn't, she just knows that she has to get her needs taken care of. And to do that, she goes through me. So it becomes my, you know, mm-hmm. my worry or my, you know, issue or whatever, and I'll go and fix it. But there's not the understanding. So then I come home and I'm just like, do you realize you know, what's going on and, you know, trying to make things easier. So there's an extra added that, um, you know, a caretaking role in addition, Mm -hmm. you know, plays into, um, that stress level of, you know what, let's just try to plan ahead. You know what? I know that like after this interview, I'm going to do our taxes tonight. Cause that's what has to be done. You know what it's I mean? Tax season. That is one of those high priority things. You just got to yeah. get taken and care of. So I'm just like, I know I have to do it. I'm going to gather mm-hmm. all the stuff, whatever. And so this morning I'm like, you know what? Let's just plan on, you know, one of the five places that you want to order from. And later on you yeah. just let me know. And then it's already in, then it's not that, you know, stressor of I got to put one more thing. It's in the calendar. It'll come up. And so I mean, the extra added, whether that be spouse or kids or caretaking or whatever that element is, um, you know, the other element person, you know, a being doesn't understand like in the moment what your, um, what your stressors are. Um, they just know that they need their needs taken care of. So, you know, trying to, if you will plan ahead for that when you can, um, will take some of that onus off of the you know, last minute, do you have any idea what's going on right now and how stressed out I am and ordering your food is like on the last, you know, last element of my, of my list. But, oh, I think that's like, it's a challenging situation because yes, she's making sure her needs are taken care of by being like, Hey, um, what, what is dinner? I'm curious. Uh, but at the same time, you're dealing with a lot of other moving pieces in your, in your weekend, in your day and that moment. And so sometimes you're like, my brain is not on that. I mean, I know earlier today, it's definitely not as high stress, uh, as doing a bunch of things and being like, Hey, what's, what's, what's dinner? I, I want to know. Uh, but I was just yeah, taking a quick break. Right. I was taking a quick break and I just talked to my husband for a second and he started talking about some golf clubs and I was like, dude, I can't, like, I can't talk about golf clubs right now. And it wasn't that like, it was just what, that's what was on his mind. It wasn't bad that he was sharing with me, but I was like, no, that's not a good time. I also really liked that you were talking about planning ahead. Um, because I think planning does have a big impact on what we allow ourselves to, um, kind of add stress to our life and try to minimize some of that. And I really appreciate that your plan is like, we're just going to order because you're already aware of this is going to be a busy afternoon. Yep. So the idea of having to do all of your taxes and cook dinner is just too much. Right. And I think that there's something really beautiful about admitting how much we can actually accomplish. Cause I think that there's sometimes this perception that, Oh, well you can do, you can do anything. You can do anything and everything all the time. 
And uh, there was, uh, I'm not going to be able to remember the quote perfectly, but I saw it on social media and every once in a while I see it pop up in some video or some post, but it's something along the lines of they started telling, and this is specifically towards women, but I think it kind of can apply across the board um, in a lot of ways as well, but that they started telling women that they could be everything. Like it's not that um, uh, however many decades ago it's, you were a housewife. That's all you did. You cooked, you clean, you had babies. Like you didn't work. That was all that you did. And now they're like, no, you can do whatever you want. You can, you can be anything that you want. But then we heard you have, you have to be everything. everything Yep, exactly. You can be anything you want. You don't have to be everything Mm -hmm. to everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And so you know. that, that you plan a place in that, like creating a plan and cre- creating a boundary of, okay, I'm going to do this tonight and we're going to order in food just reminds me of, kind of, it made me think of that in a way that you've moved past the, you have to be everything and you're being what you want and you're doing, making those choices to help you show up in the best way that you can. Yep. Which I think is an important thing for, for a lot of people to hear. And I hope that by sharing more self care stories, People are like, oh, yeah, okay, there's other people doing this. I can do it, too. And that it's not bad. Mm -hmm. And it keeps the overall, you know, stressors Mm -hmm. down, you know, and make sure everything, all the needs are met and, you know, that you've taken care of what you need to. But then it's not, you know, a last minute and it's not throwing in there. I mean, a little bit of planning versus, you know, a, um, you know, a checklist that, grows to tomorrow's checklist to tomorrow's checklist you're still living in the moment you're still just saying hey this is what we can do today this is as much as I'm going to be able to accomplish and then we'll tackle tomorrow yeah that's great so what advice would you give to somebody since we've been talking a little bit about your caretaker role what advice Mm -hmm. would you give to another caretaker that feels like they're really struggling with finding time for themselves So I would say that the biggest thing between that's both a blessing and a curse with, um, with Tina and I, my, my wife is that if we get out of communication, Mm -hmm. then, um, then assumptions are made. So for us, the biggest thing is communication in that, um, this is what I heard you say, and this is what I'm feeling from what you said. And most of it has to do with just that caretaker role. So mm-hmm. it's being really, really blatantly honest that, um, which is hard to do because the person who, you know, is needing you is like, but I, but I need you. Yes. And you care about I'm, them. And I, and, yeah. and you, and I care about them and I will always mm-hmm. take care of you, but I have to take care of myself in order to be able to take care of you. Mm-hmm. So that means that I have to, I have to have time for myself. Our, one of our big things is that a lot of times, uh, you know, in order for me to have just alone time or my time or whatever that looks like, I have to go somewhere mm-hmm. because, you know, she doesn't go somewhere. So, so that is seen as, you know, well, you don't want to be around me. And that's not true. It's that I have to take care of myself in order to be able to take care of you. So that is the biggest thing that I have told other people who are in my situation or, you know, similar, whether we caretaking children or whatever, you have to get out for the girls night. You have to get out for, you know, um, if you do retail therapy, if you go out to dinner, if you go sit in a parking lot by yourself and listen to music really loud, whatever it is, those are not optional. It's a have to, because if you don't, and we've found ourselves in this place, um, Tina and I, to where I will keep pushing and keep going and keep taking care of everything, um, and her and whatever. And I become so stressed out that I take it out on her and there's resentment and Mm -hmm. there's, you know, um, you know, it, it turns into, well, why can't you just do it instead of, I understand you can't do it and I'm here to help you, but I've, not taking care of myself. My cup is totally empty. And so now all of, you know, this 
negativity and stuff is starting to kind of flow into it. Um, and that doesn't have anything to do with anything. If, if my cup was full, it wouldn't have any space, you know, but I've let it deplete to nothing. So there's all kinds of room for doubt and self-doubt and resentment and all this other stuff. So if you don't keep your cup full to be able to take care of everybody else, then, um, then it will, it will be a wedge in whatever relationship that is, whether it be with, you know, like a spouse like me and I'll go off and have resentments or whether you yell at the kids or whether you get frustrated with, you know, a husband or, you know, I mean, whatever, mm-hmm. or yell at the dog just because the dog wants to go outside, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a puppy, you know, puppies want to go outside and they want to whatever, but you're like, I'm tapped out. Well, they don't understand that. Yeah. But if you do it, so it's not a, um, it's not a, um, coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's a have to take care of the stuff. And I know when I haven't, because I will totally get in not only just kind of like biting mode, but I'll also self deprecate and I will get down on you're not worth, you know, you, you know, how come you can't do this? And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll get down on myself and, you know, failure. And I call the voice in my head Horatio. Um, and so Horatio will get kicked up and be like, you know, yeah. you can't even do this. You know, what are you doing? You, you know, you had an easy day at work. You could have done this and this. And instead you looked at memes, you know what I mean? And so, um, probably from an advice standpoint is that, that it's imperative that you keep your cup full and it's imperative that you have the clear communication to the people that you are caring for, um, that you must keep that full and they need to understand it's nothing against them or it's not because you don't want to do anything. It's Mm -hmm. because you have to, in order to be able to continue. Yeah. I think this is a really important conversation just for anybody out there to listen, even if they're not a caretaker right now, because I mean, I don't have the huge amount of life experience, but I know that throughout somebody's life, from what I've seen, you're going to be in a caretaker role at least once, mm-hmm. unless you're just a recluse. So it just it doesn't have anybody else around you. Because right. either right. if you choose to have kids, that's a caretaker role. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you choose to have a partner of some kind, you're probably going to have to take care of them, even if it's just because they have a cold. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know I have a lot of clients who are are dealing with elderly parents and they're mm-hmm. having to shift into a caretaker mm-hmm. role. And I just, there's so many instances in life where you have to become a caretaker, whether it's for a long-term situation or it's a short-term few days, few weeks, few months. Right. That I think we, we all need to be able to have the, the ability to share with others of, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. I need to fill up my cup. I need to go take some time for me. I need to go find some joy. I need to laugh. I need to, to take step away from the structure for even just a few minutes to be able to come back and actually show up how I want to. Right. Or I even think like there's a lot of, um, it's not the exact same, but if you are like a manager in a, in a business of some kind, I mean, you're still kind of in a caretaker role Mm -hmm. managing and supporting those employees that you're working with. Um, cause I know I've, when you said that, um, Sometimes somebody will come to you and you're just like, nope, one too many things. Nope, overwhelmed, can't handle it. I was like, mm-hmm. I've had that feeling just in my job sometimes where somebody will come to me if I'm already feeling overwhelmed and overstimulated and someone's like, oh, I have this one thing. I'm like, well, why can't you just do it yourself? <laughs> yeah, why can't you just do it? And so well, because I, really, I can't because I can't because you do it or you can or mm-hmm. I don't know how or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You can't. But in this particular moment, you have caught me at a time where I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'll in my, in my job, it comes up a lot. I'll have, um, I'll have, you know, family members who will sit bedside while their loved mm-hmm. one is, is dying because they feel like that's what they have to do. And they totally negate all responsibility of, Um, just basic water, food, you know, just, um, get outside instead of sitting and, and whatever. And my communication with them is if, if your loved one was able to talk to you right now, what would they say? 
And almost every single time they'd be like, why are you sitting here staring at me? You know, I mean, every, every, almost every single time, like, why are you just sitting here staring at me? You know, why aren't you at book club every Wednesday? Don't you meet with the girls or, Mm -hmm. you know, have you even eaten today? You know, there's all kinds of stuff. And I'm just like, so try to take that into consideration that, you know, um, if you don't take care of yourself, you know, you can't show up for this person who, um, in quite honestly, in my particular line of work, that person doesn't, doesn't need that at that Mm -hmm. time, death and dying. And that's a whole nother Oprah, but, or a whole nother Chelsea or a whole nother, (laughs) we'll call it something else. But, um, that's it's death and dying is a hugely interpersonal experience. Mm -hmm. It is, um, uh, nobody knows uh, until you do it what really goes on, but it's it's super interpersonal. So if you're having a really interpersonal, you know, um, moment struggle, you're going through your life experiences, you're doing all this stuff. Do you want somebody there, kind of just, you know, staring at you? while you're just going through all this pursuit, trying to, you know, like personalize. And plus it's kind of like, you know what, I've got all this stuff that I've got to do and I need you to take care of yourself. So it's almost a reversal. So Mm -hmm. while we feel like we have to be there in the moment, um, we don't necessarily have to. And, but by being there, we're not taking care of ourselves either. So again, it goes back to that. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of another person, whether that's to care for them, you know, in whatever stage of life or, um, to just make sure that you're present for them mm-hmm. when they need it, you know, either way. But, um, but that's a really difficult concept, at least in that element of end of life process to really grasp because they don't want to, they don't want to leave. Yeah. You know, something might happen. So, and again, that's like a whole nother thing, but, um, you know, it does have to do with that self-care, mm-hmm. making sure from a grief process that you take care of yourself as well. So, I really liked how you would frame it as, would your loved one want you just to be sitting here ignoring mm-hmm. your own needs? Because I think that's something that we sometimes get wrapped up so much in what we feel like people want from us, like what they need from us, what we have to give to them, that we sometimes forget what do they actually want for us. Right. And like, I mean, unless you are with somebody or you're, you have people in your life who are just complete assholes, which can happen that exists. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other conversation. If you're listening right, to right. this and you're like, that's me please message me and we'll get, so we can get you some help because that's a whole other, whole other situation. But if you are, are surrounded by people who care about you, then they're not going to want you to not take care of yourself and show up for yourself. They're going to want you to feel good and feel your best. And I know I really appreciate the fact that like, I have a husband who every once in a while will be like, Hey, you've been working a lot. Like, do you want to take a day off? Or like, he always is like, yeah, like Mm -hmm. sleep in tomorrow. Like you don't have, you don't have to be up early. Like why, why don't you sleep in? So he's very supportive in that. And I think like a lot of friends, family, children, parents, anyone in our lives, if we were to be like, yeah, this is how I'm feeling right now. They'd be like, well, why are you pushing yourself so hard? Why don't you take time for yourself? And so I like that question of that and that framework of, is this what they would want you to be doing? Is this how right. they would want you to be treating right. yourself? Yeah. Cause sometimes we'll change our entire persona because our perception is, is that this is what that person wants in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we were trying to change, you know, everything about in order to fit into whatever our perception of, of that is. And sometimes it's more damaging to the other person um, than allowing them to, you know, truly go through it. You know, I mean, I'll take Tina as an example again, you know, I mean, she does need to have that autonomy of trying to do, Mm -hmm. you know, things before I jump in, you know, to help. So, and then there's other times where the help is really needed. So distinguishing between those two can sometimes be hard. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you're going to get that pushback of, you know what, I got this, you know, back off. Um, And that's just, again, that um, kind of, you know, coming to terms with, you know, what 
the other person's needs are as well. Um, when you're constantly in that caretaking role, you can, you know, over, you can smother, you can over, you know, do, you can over, you know, whatever. And actually it would, it's more of a negative than a positive. And that goes back to communication of of making sure you can have that brutally honest communication back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I also, I mean, I think I have a very broad definition of self-care. It's anything that makes you feel good and makes you feel better. And I think sometimes in order to do things that feel good for you or make you feel better, you sometimes have to first do something that's very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if you're having to have a conversation that, you know, once you were done with that conversation and everyone's on the same page, things are going to be better. Things are going to feel good. You can have a weight lifted off of your shoulders, but I think being able to cultivate that honest, open communication can be another form of self-care because it'll lead to less miscommunications, less misunderstandings and more joy. Yeah, absolutely. We all all want more joy. Yes. It's imperative. Yes. We started talking about how your job being a hospice nurse is Mm -hmm. a lot. It's heavy. Knowing that you spend a lot of time with family members, loved ones that are going through a lot. So not only are the patients under your care going through a lot, Mm -hmm. um, processing a lot, but their loved ones that are around them, they're also processing a lot. And I know in my experiences, there's definitely a pretty dang big role that the nursing staff is playing in that Mm -hmm. not even just medical support, but emotional support um, for all parties. Exactly. It's, it's about 90% emotional support mm-hmm. for the family members, mm-hmm. quite honestly. And I mean, the, the actual care in that, unless someone is in some sort of crisis is, you know, just managing, you know, symptoms, which mm-hmm. just depending on, on what the person's, you know, um, disease progress it processes and so on and so forth. It's still manageable. That's in that structure mode. Mm-hmm. What's the unknown is how different family members or people who loved ones who are coming into this person's life and how they're going to um, process their grief. Mm-hmm. And it, and it spans the entire spectrum of, you know, mad, angry to, totally at peace and everywhere in between. So that is, Mm -hmm. that is the majority of the battle, if you will, Mm -hmm. is managing, um, those people who are, you know, processing that, um, that life and, you know, everything about it and the grief that comes along with that. And that's some heavy stuff, right? It can be, it can be really heavy. Yep. So how do you take care of yourself to make sure that you're not being weighed down with those heavy emotions. Cause I know you are a very empathetic person and yeah. us <laughs> empathetic people have a tendency to suck all the emotions for everybody else and give them right. to ourselves. Uh, so what advice would you have knowing that you're working in a, I don't want to say the most extreme of that kind of like really intense emotion, but like, there's definitely like you're, you're up there towards the, there's a lot of heaviness that can, that can go on. So how do you take care of yourself so that you're not weighed down by those experiences and those emotions of others? My main advice, and and I'm fortunate um, where the team that I have and that I work with is phenomenal at making sure that everybody um, quote unquote debriefs after Mm -hmm. a death. And we may have four or five deaths in a day. Um, and, but they debrief after each one, whether it's just a, how you feeling, how you doing, you know, are you good? Yep. I'm good. Going on to the next thing, whatever. Some of the tougher cases will actually bring in some, um, you know, some sort of counseling, social work, um, chaplain type support, um, to allow us to get those emotions out. Um, a lot of our younger, um, patients, a lot of stuff will be brought up. Um, people who do have kiddos and if we have kiddos in hospice, Mm -hmm. they will, um, specifically con it. So again, the biggest, probably the biggest, um, 
help in not letting it weigh you down is to remove it when you leave. So I've always, and it's just my own personal practice of um, before I enter a room, whether to be, you know, for whatever reason, um, I ground myself and make sure that I'm, you know, as clear as I can be to go in. And then when I go out before I do, I just stop momentarily and release that so that it stays in the room and it, you know, it doesn't follow me. Um, Mm -hmm. and especially following me to other rooms. So when we have the heaviness that is there, um, we take the time, whether it be with each other or whatever, to talk through those. Usually, um, as a manager, I, I spearhead most of it mm-hmm. now, but even, um, just as a teammate, I would ask others, um, you know, are you okay? Do you need to take a break? You need to take a walk. Um, most of us have, um, you know, people that we either who are in the field will find that while some will struggle with some others of us are stronger and then mm-hmm. those roles reverse depending on whatever gets triggered for us, um, on each person's, you know, death. Um, that's the serious part of, you know, kind of, you know, releasing all that and doing it mm-hmm. appropriately. I will also tell you that nurses have insane, insane, crazy sense of humor. And sometimes, almost always borderline inappropriate, not going to lie. It will be every single one of them. And if, you know, if you are in the field, you'll understand it. And if you're not, and you know what, um, law enforcement, you know, mm-hmm. some of the really heavy stuff the way you're seeing, um, a lot of it will come out in humor and it's, it can be a mask. So you definitely have to watch that. You don't just keep masking stuff and that you do the other serious mm-hmm. stuff too. Um, but a lot of times it'll come out in, in humor that probably would not be super understood outside of the industry. But, um, you know, in the moment it allows you to kind of like release it for, so that you can get on, especially if it's a really busy day, um, to where you can do more of the serious stuff later on. Yeah. It's just a, it's a coping mechanism. Absolutely. And I really liked the fact that you were like, we take care of this before we go home. As yeah. I think that, and maybe it's getting better as, as a society, we start talking more and more about mental health. But I think that mm-hmm. there's just so many things that even if it's a small little trigger throughout the day or just something, an incident that happens that's upsetting, I think so many of us, and I know I'm guilty of this at times too, of just you shove those emotions down. You don't let yourself sit in them. You don't process them. You don't allow yourself to talk to somebody or ask for um, additional assistance um, from an expert if you need it. And then that stuff just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds until it generally turns into a pretty big issue. And so I think that the the one asking for help, checking in on each other, having a support system, knowing when maybe you need uh, somebody else to help you work through that heaviness and yep. having a coping mechanism or some, of some humor to kind of lighten the mood and make things feel more bearable. I think all of those are really great. All of those are great things that anyone listening to this could transfer to their own life situation. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially if it, so Tina will always be like, you're, you're crass, you're being, you know, um, nasty, you're being whatever. And, you know, I don't always catch it. And then when I do, I'm like, yeah, well, it's cause you know, I'm, you know, this, that, or the other. So it can also bleed out over into the other, if you don't have that, you know, yeah. that system of, um, or that person, or, you know, I have one that I can constantly go to no matter Mm -hmm. what. And she picks up the phone. She's in the same field I am. So she understands, I don't have to explain anything. And if I get it out, then I'm a much more pleasant person. And if Mm -hmm. not, then I'm bringing home that, that crass and those coping mechanisms home, Mm -hmm. um, or into my personal life. And then it's like, well, you know, what is that about? Why are you talking to me like that? You know, that type of stuff. So that's all like circles back around to the, you know, self-care to make sure that you are doing those things so that you're not bringing, you know, that stuff home and then vice versa. So. 
Well, I think it is important to just share what we're feeling with people that we trust. Yeah. I know um, I sometimes can feel very anxious. And there was a time a few within the past few weeks that just out of nowhere, I felt anxious and I couldn't quite pin down what it was that was causing the anxiety. Not that there has to be a reason, but I was like, I just feel really anxious. I feel really anxious. And I kept just kind of like, pushing it away, being like, no, it's fine. Like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And I just wasn't addressing it. And then finally, my husband, who I do spend probably the most time with outside of work, was Mm -hmm. like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) I was like, and of course, we happened to be in a public setting that I didn't feel comfortable sharing how I was feeling. And so I was like, I'll talk to you about this later. Yeah. We'll, We'll talk to him. So then the next opportunity we had, I was like, hey, I've been feeling really anxious. That's how I've been. Like, I'm sorry if I was snappy earlier. This is how I'm feeling. And I swear within like five minutes of me, just, I, we didn't even dive in deep. I was just like, I feel really anxious right now. And I have all, all week for the past few days. I've been like just torn up inside and trying to ignore it. Yeah. Within finally admitting it and being able to say like, hey, yes, this is how I'm feeling right now. I started to feel better. Like five yeah. minutes later, I was like, where'd it go? Oh. Yeah. And so I think it it was a reminder for me of when I'm feeling like that, when I have those strong emotions, share it with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so having those even just people, admitting to it, yeah, just admitting, you know what? I'm overwhelmed. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. I'm whatever. Then you are being vulnerable and saying, I am not fully present right now. Mm-hmm. And you're allowing somebody else to come in and say, how can I help? Mm-hmm. And when, and especially if you are the primary helper, um, it's hard to say, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'll just push it away because I got all this stuff to do instead of I'm, you know, fill in the blank, I'm whatever. And I need the tables to kind of turn around and help me right now. And whatever that looks like. And actually just having that vulnerability sometimes will be enough mm-hmm. that you can just say, oh, well, I can say that. And it's okay. It's okay. I said it. You know, I didn't die. We're all good. I admitted it and it's okay. I admitted it. It's okay. Nobody's mad or upset or whatever. And then, you know, you can kind of tackle it from there, whether you dive deeper into it or whether you just say, hey, Mm -hmm. I just needed to, I don't know why. I don't Mm -hmm. know why I was whatever. Um, I just was, but, and it might come up later. And then, it's already out in the open. So I'd be like, Hey, I think I pinpoint that, you know, that anxiety we were talking about the other day mm-hmm. or whatever, but, and it, but it all circles back to communication. If you lose the communication in anything, either side, whatever, being honest with others or yourself or whatever, then everything else will break down because everybody's own thought processes will come up with reasons why, you know, you're this way or that way or why, you know, you're, you know, acting, you know, weird or whatever. And most people will internalize it and think that they did something wrong. Mm -hmm. At least my Horatio does. And I think like, we've talked on this on the podcast. I've talked a lot about like mindset, the voice inside of your head and how, if it's saying nice things or good things or bad things to you and, and shifting them to be more positive. But we, I don't think we've talked a lot about having communication be an aspect of self-care in this way. And I'm really glad that we're having this conversation because I I think it is part of self-care for, and should be a part of self-care for so many different people. And I think it's a way if somebody is listening to this and kind of like, yeah, I still don't know where to start when it comes to taking care of myself. They're in a situation like you, Berta, where they're going to school, they're working full time. They've got side hustles. They've got caretaker roles. They've got lots of stuff going on. And they're like, where do I start? Well, being able to learn how to communicate how you're feeling be a great way to start bringing some more joy into your life, taking out some of that heaviness, taking out some of that stress and that overwhelm. Yep. Or just starting to talk to someone, which is not going to, yeah, it's probably going to take some energy. It's going to be hard. Yeah. But it's not going to take any extra time out of your day. You're probably already talking to that person anyways. Yeah. Let's make it a little You're more just like, Hey, I just want to, you know, can I throw this out? Maybe you have some ideas. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be like a, you know, I mean, open up your soul to somebody. It could just be, you know, hey, what do you think about blank? Mm -hmm. You know, it could be totally non-related, but it gives you enough, you know, of whatever substance you need in order to try to figure out Mm -hmm. and have another like tool to, you know, 
figure out whatever is going on for you. But the communication breakdown for any, any part of that process just leads or can lead down um, a road. And, you know, I know in our, in my relationship life, I mean, actually in every single aspect. Mm -hmm. um, But I know for me, if I'm not, you know, blatantly honest, as uncomfortable as it may be on both ends um, about my needs and making sure that they're taken care of and that it's not selfish or not otherwise will ultimately lead to better communication between, you know, me and my wife or me and work, or I'm not carrying the stressors everywhere. And is it perfect every time? Heck no. Even like, yeah, I'm good if I, you know, get like 50%. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, but I'm golden if I'm like, Hey, you know what? I did it half the time this time and maybe I'll add one more in there next time or, you know, whatever, but it also gets easier. So you don't find yourself at those crossroads where you're having to make, you know, major communication, you know, have those conversations that are a little bit tougher because you're having them on the daily. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate how you just said you're not going to do it a hundred percent all the time. It's not going to be perfect. And you're happy if you get it half the time. Because then I think if we're coming from a place of, oh, I have to be perfect, I have to do this right all the time, that's just going to lead to more stress and more overwhelm and more not good things happening. Yeah. (laughs) And so going into it, you're not human. Yeah. Yeah. We're human. That's going to look a little uh, weird every time we do it. (laughs) Yes. That's how we get better at it. That's true. It's about getting better and, and understanding... I think your needs and other people's needs a little bit more every single time that you have those mm-hmm. honest communications. Yep. So as we start to wrap up, what if, if listeners were only listening to one minute of this podcast and they were going to listen to this next minute, they were only listening to one part, what yep. would you want to leave them with when it comes to self-care? I know it it's a doozy. Is, it is not wrong to take care of yourself. It is not a negative. It is not a failure to take care of yourself. It is not whatever negativity word you want to use to take care of yourself. It is positive and it will only make you a better person if you do it. Does that mean it's going to be easy to take care of yourself? No. Does it mean it's going to be easy to step out of the roles, whatever those may be? Um, It may not. And could someone else get upset because you're taking care of yourself? Absolutely. But if you don't, then you will absolutely have more worry and more stress than if you just take the little tiny bit of uncomfortableness in order to kind of like make the the bigger picture of, um, of you having your cup full so that that negativity can't get in. I like that. I like that a lot. Cause I I think you're right. There's sometimes people are like, Oh, you're selfish for taking care of yourself or, Oh, you like, you have time to do that. Yep. You you have time? Like, how, how can you possibly make the time? Yeah. Well, like, you, you make it. You figure it out because you know that it's that important. And you've pushed past all of those insert negative phrase here that comes up. So you're like, no, this is this is important for not only myself, but the people around me, the role that I'm playing in this world. I like the way that you said that. Yeah. That's good. Well, Berta, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was my pleasure. It's been great. Thank I like so it. I love Yay. what you've been doing. It's so awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Self-Care Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can also send this episode to a friend who you think would benefit from the information. It's a great way to help us grow and help us reach more people. If you want to connect with other like-minded, self-care-focused individuals, you can follow us on Instagram at The Mindful Self-Care, or you can join the Mindful Self-Care Society. 
It's a great place to connect with others, gain some additional resources, and really help make sure that self-care is a focus in your life so you can always feel your best. Thank you again for listening. I can't wait to be back in your ears soon.